Welcome to the More Than a Physique podcast. I'm your host, Kristen Jansen, online fitness coach, content creator, and competitive bodybuilder and powerlifter. In this podcast, we help you discover your inner athlete. Each episode will enhance your life as we provide you insights on all things health, fitness, and personal development. Now let's bring out your inner athlete. Hey everyone, and welcome back to the More Than a Physique podcast, where we discuss ways to ignite all areas of your life surrounding health, fitness, and becoming mentally elite. I'm your host, Kristen Jansen, Certified Strength and Conditioning Specialist at The Natty Hour, and welcome everybody to episode 66. In this week's episode, we are going to discuss why you shouldn't eat clean 100% of the time. So before we can get into today's discussion, I think we have to try to define what clean eating is. You might already be thinking of what your definition of it might be, where, well, that's easy. Clean eating is eating whole nutrient-dense foods. Well, it's actually not that easy because others might define it as eating only organic, or perhaps it means eating foods that are hormone and antibiotic-free, or to some, it's eating nothing but plants. There's no real definition of what clean eating actually is. And the reason for that is because clean eating looks different for everybody. So you might be asking, well, what's the big deal if there's a difference in the definition? There's no harm in the desire to eat clean regardless of how that looks to you. While including what you feel might be healthy foods into your day is important, and by all means, as a nutritionist, I highly recommend that you strive to consume a good amount of whole nutrient-dense foods. But those who strive to consume nothing but clean foods often develop unhealthy behaviors and conditions such as orthorexia nervosa. And this is defined as an obsession with eating foods that one considers healthy. It's actually a medical condition in which the person suffering systematically avoids specific foods in the belief that they are harmful. So while eating, yes, whole nutrient-dense foods or however you want to define clean eating is important, it's when the obsession kicks in where it can have inverse effects and be very harmful. And there's a spectrum from a healthy concern with eating a healthy diet at a, at one end to a harmful or even delusional obsession with a restrictive diet on the other end. Now you might be thinking that you're fine with the risk of developing orthorexia because the GMOs, the chemicals, toxins, or whatever it is you're trying to avoid is way more harmful. But I am here to tell you today that these things actually aren't harmful at all. And I know that's hard to believe because we have all spent our entire lives being told to stay away from specific things such as chemicals, GMOs, and organic is the only way to go. It was hard for me at first too actually to accept the fact that I was tricked. The so-called health risks that come from consuming these foods are not actually science-based and often more a fear-based tactic. Let's break that down a bit further because I know some of you are listening to this in disbelief. So just hear me out for a second here. Let's start off with GMOs. So for those who don't know, GMO stands for genetically modified organisms and they're living organisms whose genetic material has been artificially manipulated in a lab through genetic engineering. And this creates a combination of plant, animal, bacteria, and virus genes that do not occur in 
nature or through traditional crossbreeding methods. So based on this definition alone, I understand how that can raise some concerns. But we always have to look towards the research before we make that conclusion. There has actually been over 20 years of research regarding the existence of any health concerns when it comes to consuming GMO foods. And as of right now, there are none. There is no evidence of any long-term health risks regarding the consumption of GMO foods. In fact, it's actually been shown that there are no health differences between consuming processed foods compared to organic foods. Let that sink in for a second. So if you're listening to that, you're like, no, there's no way. Well, there's actually been over 50 years of research regarding organic foods, and there's no evidence for any additional health benefits to eating organic. So if you want, keep buying organic food. If you prefer, if it makes you feel better, I'm not telling you to stop doing that, but I would argue that it might be worth saving your money if you have been told that there's additional health benefits. Now let's move on to gluten. It's actually been shown that approximately 1% of the population has a true gluten sensitivity. So unless you've been diagnosed with celiac disease, maybe you struggle with IBS or any other gluten-related intolerances, there should be no concern or fear surrounding the consumption of gluten. All right, so what about toxins? This is a big one. And of course, toxins in high enough doses can cause adverse health effects. There's no arguing that. However, the missing component to this concern is the dose. It's the dose itself that creates the actual poison. Did you know that water is a toxin if you drink a sufficient amount? If we are going to avoid toxins, well, you might as well add water to that list. Seems like a double standard, right? Considering we need water to survive, yet too much of it can still be toxic. So the important question is, what is the dose? It's easy to scare people with the notion that there are toxins in our food. However, we have to take the time to put the information into proper context before we let it basically scare us to death. These are just a few of many examples of how the delusion of eating only clean foods is created. There's also other things such as sugar, salt, sweeteners, and many more, which we have discussed some of these on previous episodes, so if you have a fear of consuming any of these things I just listed, I highly recommend you go back and check out some previous episodes. Now, I'm not suggesting you stop eating these foods. If they work for you, if you enjoy the foods you eat, it's easy for you to adhere to, keep doing what you're doing. It's when the fear of food is being developed from your food choices, where you need to take a step back and consider a healthier approach so we don't develop serious issues surrounding our relationship with food and even worse, develop conditions such as orthorexia nervosa. Okay, so we just uncovered that clean foods technically do not exist because we can't truly define it. Does that mean that there are dirty foods? Well, I would argue that there really aren't dirty foods. I really do feel that our language that we choose, it impacts our relationship with food. People often say, I can have these foods because they're good. I can't have these foods because they're bad. Instead of bad foods, let's just simply call them treats moving forward. It's a little 
little bit more positive and doesn't make you feel like you're doing something wrong. And another reason why I, I highly encourage this type of language is because there's actually no food in isolation that is inherently bad for you. I will say that again, let this sink in. There are no foods in isolation that are inherently bad for you. The difference between those foods of good and bad that are popping into your head right now is actually how satiated you feel after consuming them. So how full and satisfied you feel. Some foods, like a donut for example, are more calorie dense and other foods such as broccoli are more nutrient dense. That's it. So let's break that down a little bit further so it makes sense. To keep things simple here, we have two different types of carbohydrates. We have simple carbs and complex carbs. Simple carbs have only one sugar. That sugar can be monosaturate like glucose and fructose or it can be table sugar. Complex carbs are usually polysaturates. So in short, simple carbs are typically higher in sugar, lower in fiber, while complex carbs are typically higher in fiber and lower in sugar. Most people, they try to avoid simple carbs at all costs and focus on consuming all of their carbs from complex sources. The problem with this is it's not so black and white. So for example, an apple is actually considered a simple carb because it does have a little bit more sugar in it. Yet we think of it as a fruit, so therefore it's healthy for us. So why would we avoid it? You can see how this can be extremely confusing and overwhelming when people are trying to decide what carbs to eat and which not to eat. And I'm gonna easily solve this problem for you. Just stop overthinking it because it truly doesn't matter. When you're consuming carbohydrates, your body doesn't have an indicator after you have ate. Sorting simple carbs from complex carbs during the digestion process, the carbs being consumed are all broken down into glucose. All your body recognizes is glucose availability. So regardless if you're consuming whole wheat rice or Sour Patch Kids, they both end up as glucose at the bottom line, which is later used for energy. So when you hear that a carb isn't a carb, that's actually not true. A carb is a carb. Now, you might be thinking I am crazy for saying that there's no difference between having broccoli compared to candy. And in isolation, when they are broken down and used for energy, there is no difference. However, the difference lies in how satiated you feel afterwards. One being more calorie dense, another being more nutrient dense. Typically, you feel full after having a big plate of vegetables or even whole wheat rice, correct? Yet one donut doesn't even begin to fill you up. It feels like you could easily have 10 before you actually feel full. And that right there is the biggest difference between simple and complex carbs, how satisfied you feel afterwards, just simply due to the difference of nutrients and fiber. And that's where people can get into trouble because if they have macronutrients available and they have a donut and they don't feel full afterwards, it increases the risk of overconsuming calories because you're still hungry. So we have to take that into consideration. Of course, we all handle carbs differently from others where some are more sensitive to the effects of insulin than others. So it's important to pay attention to how your body reacts when you're consuming carbohydrates and set your allotment accordingly. But avoiding these foods you think are bad is only doing more harm than good when it comes to having a healthy relationship with food. Instead of focusing on foods to avoid, I recommend focusing on including healthy, nutrient-dense options as well as a variety into your day and then sprinkle in some treats here and there. Instead of obsessing over
over the things you can't have. With this approach, I want you to focus more on including nutrient-dense foods into your day and focus on eating a sufficient amount of fruits, vegetables, fiber, protein, and water. Once these targets have been met, be okay with enjoying one of your go-to treats each day. Yes, you heard me correctly, each day. So why am I encouraging you to do this? If you haven't picked up on as to why, here are a couple of reasons. Number one, it increases adherence. I mean, you can only restrict yourself from foods you enjoy for so long until your willpower runs out. Let's face it, there's amazing foods surrounding us all the time. You're not going to be able to avoid them forever. In your willpower, it actually doesn't refill at the start of each day. So the more you restrict something from your yourself the more you want it and we all only have so much willpower until it's all gone and what happens when that willpower is all gone we cave and have an entire box of cookies when if we just had the one cookie five days ago when we first craved it maybe we wouldn't have ended up having 12 so increasing adherence helps reduce those weekend binges that often happen when you're doing nothing but restricting all week and eating 100% of the foods you don't enjoy. When I was dieting down, and I know I've shared this story before, but for those who haven't heard it yet, when I was dieting down for my first bodybuilding competition, I wanted to do an experiment where I ate one two-bite brownie every single day, fit it within my macronutrients. It was pretty macro-friendly, and it was a nice little treat. Gave me something to look forward to in the afternoons, and I barely felt restricted. The rest of my food I didn't really enjoy, but I had one thing to look forward to, and what ended up happening, I lost the amount of weight that I needed to. I actually came first in my bodybuilding competition, a group out of like 26 girls, and having one brownie a day kept my adherence levels 100% during a 30-week dieting period. Reason number two, your body can only handle so many nutrients. So this reason is important for those who are listening right now, and they're saying that they're not much of a treat person. It's important to understand that from a digestive standpoint, that having less nutrient-dense foods in your day can make your life a lot easier. Often people try to eat more food, but they say that they feel too bloated and full, even though they really aren't eating all that much. So some people, they're like eating 1200 calories and they feel like that's too much food for them. They feel bloated and full, even though they aren't really eating all that much and they do need to eat way more than 1200 calories a day. And the reason that is so important is because 1200 calories a day is how much a toddler should eat. That is not a sustainable amount of food. So if you're struggling to eat that much food, it's so important to take this reason into consideration. When this occurs, what is often happening is people are loading up on nothing but complex carbohydrate sources and their fiber is through the roof. Your body can only handle so much fiber and just like anything else, too much of anything's not good for you. Fiber, fruits and vegetables included. So there's a turning point when you're over consuming the amount of fiber that you should be consuming in a day and inverse effects do start to occur. GI distress, malabsorption of nutrients. We don't want to be having too much fiber. The best way to normalize your hunger is to balance the amount of nutrient-dense foods you are consuming and when needed, be okay with including more calorie-dense options, aka treats, into your day. It's going to allow you to not feel so full and bloated, making more room for you to be able to comfortably consume the adequate amount of calories that you need. 
for your goals. So how do we do this? How do we successfully include some treats into our day without going overboard and making sure that we stay within our goals? I like the 80-20 rule. This is where you consume 80% of your foods each day from whole nutrient-dense foods and the remaining 20% can come from treats. I would set daily targets for yourself. So I know I previously mentioned this. This is where you focus on consuming an adequate amount of fruit, vegetables, fiber, protein, and water. And once all of those targets are met, then you can fill in the remaining calories that you will have left over with a nice treat or two. So a good range to consider for these targets here. For fruit, I would aim to have one to two servings for every 1,000 calories you consume. Vegetables, same thing, one to two servings for every 1,000 calories you consume. Your fiber in grams, you want to consume 10 to 15 grams for every 1,000 calories that are being consumed. And then for your protein, there's various other ways to calculate your protein, but to keep it simple, a good recommendation is to have one gram of protein per pound of body weight a day. And then lastly, we have our water. Again, this is definitely going to depend on the person and their activity levels, but a good range is to try to consume three to four liters of water if you're a female, four to five liters of water if you're a male. So let's go over an example here. Say you're a female and you weigh 130 pounds and you're consuming 2,000 calories a day. For these metrics, your fruit and vegetable range would be two to four servings each day day. Your fiber range would be 20 to 25 grams. Your protein amount would be 130 grams a day and your water intake would be three to four liters a day. Once all of these metrics are met for each day, go enjoy a nice treat, making sure that it still fits within your remaining calorie goals. You can still hit your calorie targets for the day, not feel bloated or experience GI distress because these foods are less nutrient dense and it also helps satisfy any cravings that often occur during dieting. So overall, it's totally healthy and safe and necessary to incorporate treats into your day. It doesn't have to be every day, but if you wish, you totally can. So if you crave a pizza, you can still have a slice guilt-free. The 80-20 rule allows you to stop with this all-or-nothing mentality thinking that you need to eat 100% of your calories from clean sources because that's just crippling people from actually sustaining their results. All right, team, that about wraps up this week's episode. I really hope you guys found it helpful. If you have any questions with anything I talked about today, please be sure to send me an email, thenattyhour at gmail.com. I really love hearing from you guys. And if you did find this episode helpful, please, as a thank you, share this episode with somebody you find that it would be helpful for. Share it to your social media. Make sure you tag me. Thank you all so much for doing that. And if you haven't already, head over to iTunes and be sure to leave the podcast episode a review. That's just such a great way to show your support I really appreciate it. Thank you all again so much for listening. I look forward to chatting with you all again in a couple of weeks here, but until then, go out there, strive for more, be more, and ignite your inner athlete.